Today I have um, Rishi Gupta, who has an Editor's Choice article in JNIS in the January issue. Uh, Rishi is currently at Wellstar Neurosurgery in Marietta, Georgia. The title of uh, Rishi's article is Aspects Decay During Interfacility Transfer Predicts Patient Outcome in Endovascular Reperfusion for Ischemic Stroke, a Unique Assessment of Dynamic Physiological Change Over Time. Rishi, thanks for uh, agreeing to talk with me today and, and great work on this article. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the design of the study and, uh, and maybe summarize the results for me? Sure. This was actually a follow-up to a previous study where we've been interested in how patients who are undergoing interfacility transfers do in, with regards to their neurologic outcome. So mm-hmm. one of the hypotheses we generated was that um, because of the delays in transferring patients, the ischemic burden to the brain increases. And so one of the ways we thought of measuring this was to look at the CT scan at the outside institution and subtract the aspect scores between the first institution to the receiving institution and see mm-hmm. if that change in the aspect score um, over the elapsed time would reflect outcomes. And then essentially what we found was that um, the patients who did indeed have longer delays and more decline of their aspect score did worse. I see. So you, you you mentioned looking at the transfer time as well. It seemed that the transfer time was fairly long, about a median of a, an hour and a half. Is the geography of your center such that there's a, a pretty widespread geographical distance between centers that transfer to you? And do you guys transfer usually by helicopter or ambulance or, or both? That's an excellent question. So the median time between CAT scan 1 and CAT scan 2 is actually 2.7 hours. The the facilities are all within a 20-mile radius roughly, um, so it's not a very large distance. And we do indeed use helicopters for the majority of these transfers. In our first paper, what we had actually found was that the majority of delays were due to the patients sitting at the first facility um, undergoing evaluation and that that the time elapsed was uh, most pronounced because of the delays in care at that initial facility. I see. Okay. Some of the um, scoring systems you looked at, I guess, uh, just reflected reflection of my ignorance. I'm I'm not familiar with some of them. Can you can you just briefly describe some of them, like the Thrive sure. Apache Two and Hyatt uh, Two scoring systems? Sure. Um, the, the Apache score is actually used mostly in critical care medicine, and it's it's a, a approximation of the score for mortality index. And so we, we thought one of the things in stroke studies, people don't look at the patient's comorbidities and account for that. So we, mm-hmm. we use the Apache score basically to try to equalize the comorbidities between the two groups. And then the Thrive and the Hyatt 2 score, recent scores developed um, one out of UT Houston and then one by Alex Flint um, when he was at UCSF. And it basically looks at, um, it estimates the prediction of how well a stroke patient would do after intervention. And so there are basically um, scales that have been developed to predict those outcomes. Okay. It was interesting. I mean, it seemed like uh, of those scales, the only significant change between the transferring institution and your institution was the Hyatt uh, score. Do you, do you have any 
theory to why that might have occurred? Yeah, that's a great question. The Hyatt two, the advantage of the Hyatt two score is that it in- integrates the aspect score within it. Um, okay. So it has it does in- include the physiologic change, so it may be a um, it may be a better predictor than the Thrive score in many ways because it includes physiology as well as the medical comorbidities. I see. Okay. And then this was kind of a, a retrospective review of patients that that were were treated. What what was the re- reason to repeat the CT scan at your institution? The reason was um, we we thought because of the time delay in getting in the patient arriving, it was never clear as to how much damage was done before we would intervene. And, and as you can see in the paper, it took so long to transfer patients from point A to point B. Um, we thought it was prudent to get a CAT scan. And actually, a lot of patients on repeat CAT scan had so much damage, they didn't even go for intervention. That was the r- rationale for that. Okay. It was interesting to me that actually the rate of decline of the aspect score was more important than the ab- absolute uh, score at your institution, at the second institution. Do you have any theories about why that is so or what how, how that re- reflects the pathophysiology uh, going on? All the data to date really looks at static aspect scores, and that's the aspects just prior to intervention. And I think mm-hmm. what's neat about this study is that the patients who are, when you look at it from a dynamic perspective, um, if the slope of the curve and of deterioration is rapid, you have to account for the fact that when you get that aspects before you intervene, there's another time delay before you open the vessel. So if patients are on a steeper decline of their aspect score, um, even that delay in opening the vessel would lead to a worse outcomes relative to patients who are on a slower curve. That's what we what we hypothesized was this is a reflection of how fast infarct was occurring. Okay, well, that's interesting. Do you see any um, avenues for future research, in, uh, specifically looking at this um, aspect of, of acute stroke care? Yeah, it's a, it's difficult. I mean, from our perspective, I think I'm not I'm not sure where to take this specific topic. It would be neat it would be neat to know, um, you know, when you get your initial CAT scan, what part of the curve that patient is on, if they're on the fast or, or slow curve, because then I think mm-hmm. we could have better predictability, and hopefully imaging in the future may have ways of doing that. But I I think to me the the real discussion is that looking at how long it takes to transfer patients and looking at the fact that patients don't do as well with these transfers, adjusting the system around perhaps bypassing um, centers when patients have larger stroke syndromes um, so that we can get to them faster. I mean, I think that's the next avenue of research. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, It's almost, I mean, from a physiological standpoint, yeah, I mean, it would be nice having uh, uh, some sort of continuous monitoring device of uh, brain physiology, but uh, I don't think that that's going to happen, you know, uh, relatively soon. Agreed. And so in in your own practice, has the results of your study uh, changed your practice or how you've organized the stroke systems of care? It has. We've worked very hard with um, our outlying facilities and uh, EMS um, to reduce the transfer times and also assessments in the field. Um, mm-hmm. So we've worked very closely with the primary stroke centers and EMS, and essentially patients who have severe stroke syndromes in the field and were equidistant between a primary stroke center, they're actually coming mm-hmm. to us instead of stopping at a primary stroke center. 
that's one practice change. And two is um, we've instituted something called a rapid transfer protocol. Patients at an outlying facility, if they have hemiplegia, they call us right away, and we activate the helicopters basically at ICTUS, so at the time of arrival at that hospital. So we've we've sort of um, developed systems with the helicopter services to move much faster. Okay, great. Well, thanks. Thank you very much for uh, speaking with me today. Thank you very much.